Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Deuteronomy chapter number four. Thank you for the questions. If you have any more, please come ask. If you ask our daughter, she likes to make up random facts about England. Um, so if you ask her and she'll tell you that, you know, they call water something ridiculous. They, she just changes the words because she's a little heathen and, and lies. And so she just makes up anything that she wants to say about it. So Deuteronomy chapter number four today, it's a text that maybe you, you see and you think, okay, this doesn't seem like a typical missionary text, but the, the sermons that I preach while traveling around and going to churches are ones that the Lord used while I was at Bethany, whether I preached them into the youth department or preached them to the main service. The Lord just used these to really just, just touch my heart. So Deuteronomy chapter number four, verse number one says this, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Bel Peor. For all the men that followed Bel Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive every one of you this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments. Even as the Lord my God commanded me that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons." Now, this passage that we just read follows a very, very unique way of a book of the Bible to open. The first three chapters of Deuteronomy, Moses, he recounts a lot of Israel's history. Because when you think about the book of Deuteronomy, think about it like this. It's a duet. It's the second giving of the law. And so Moses is giving the law of God to a new generation. You follow me so far? I'm going to need some head nods today, okay? Some head nods, some smiles, and if you laugh, it's okay, I promise. And so, it's the second giving of the law. So he gives the law to one generation, and then what happened between this generation and that? The wilderness wanderings, right? Because ten were bad and two were good. Ten spies, twelve spies went into Canaan, ten came back and said there's giants, and two of them said we can kill them all, right? And so they, they, they went through this wilderness wandering, and now it's the second giving of the law. And during the second giving of the law, he starts it off by giving them their history and telling them their history and saying, remember, remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. And over and over and over in the first three chapters of Deuteronomy, he tells the people constantly, remember what God has done. But then we get to chapter number four, and what a lot of people that write books about the Bible call chapter number four, they call it this, Moses' Sermon on Obedience. 
This is his sermon on obedience, and he starts it off like a good old-fashioned preacher. He says, now therefore hearken. Hey, listen up. Listen, O Israel. And he goes into it, and he reminds them all throughout these first eight verses how righteous, how wise, how much understanding can come from the Word of God and the law of God. And so he tells them, look at this with me, we're going to kind of... We're going to kind of shoot from the hip pretty quick here. And he says this. He says, The statutes and, and unto the judgments. Listen to the statutes and judgments which I teach you. For to do them that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. He says this. If you follow the laws of God, you're going to be blessed. You're going to have the blessings of God on your life. And ye shall not add unto the word which I command you. Neither shall you diminish aught from it. That ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Now he says... Don't take away and don't add to the words of God. Pretty simple, right? But then he gives them an example and he says, Your eyes have seen what happened because of Baal Peor. Now personally, I don't remember Baal Peor off the top of my head. If you're a Bible scholar and you already know, I'm sorry for the review, okay? But Baal Peor is when some Israelite men, the Bible says they joined themselves to Canaanites and they started to worship the false gods of the Canaanites. And during this time... God called the, the Israelite leadership and Moses together and he said, okay, everyone that's involved at Baal Peor, you've got to execute my judgment and my judgment is to kill them. And so it's a very intense story. I know it's Sunday morning. You're going to be encouraged, I promise. And so they go and they begin to execute God's judgment, but at the same time, God has now cast a, a plague that's rolling through the camp of Israel and it's killing thousands of people. It's wild. People are starting to gather at the door of the tabernacle and they're begging God to stop the plague and begging God to, and asking Moses to talk to God. And all of a sudden, from this giant crowd at the tabernacle, the Israelite man and the Midianitish woman come forward that started the whole thing, that started all the false worship, that started all the fornication, everything that they, they started it. And a guy named Phineas, the Bible talks about him, he's a zealous guy. He takes a spear, he kills them both, and the plague stops. Now that's an intense story, and thousands of people died, and Moses, he's telling them this story, and he says, look, this is what happened when you added and took away from the word of God. Those people died, but those of you that didn't follow after Baal Peor, and you cleaved, you, you held on to God, you're alive today. He's reminding them that. Now look at the next verse with me, verse number five. I want you to get this picture for later on. He says, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess. Now think about this. Moses says, I taught you what God told me. So Moses would go to God, and God would say, Moses, this is what I want. Don't do that. He, he told Mo, he told, God told Moses, hey, I want you to teach the people this. So Moses would take what, the, what God had taught him, he'd go down to the people, and he would teach them exactly what God had said. And Moses reminds them again, he says, keep the commandments of God. This is your wisdom and your understanding. And then he keeps, on, he keeps going on this thought, and he says, when you get into the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey, and you're following the words of God, you know what everyone around you is going to say? They're going to go, wow, you're a really wise and understanding people. Now, did you catch that? It's really simple, isn't it? You follow the words of God. He says it's your wisdom and understanding. You're going to be wise and understanding. It's amazing. It's amazing how simple it is. And so he, he reminds the people that he went to God 
God gave him what to say, and Moses told the people. Now look at verse number 7 and 8 with me. He says, For what nation is there so great, who hath God so nigh unto them, so close to them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon Him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Now take note that the first eight verses of this, Moses is speaking to the nation as a whole. Did you, did you notice that? What nation is so great? What nation has a law like this? You all, need to keep, you all need to keep the laws of God. And he's addressing the nation all throughout the first eight verses. But between verse 8 and verse number 9, there's a huge transition. There's a little blank space. And the first part of verse number 9 says this. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently. So Moses goes from addressing the entire nation now straight to the individual. Do you see that with me in Deuteronomy? Now before we get into the rest of this, verse number 9 needs a little bit of explanation. Because here in verse number 9, the words heed and keep are actually the same Hebrew word. Okay? So they're the same Hebrew word and when you get down to the bottom of it, it's this right here. To protect guard or attend to so only protect guard and attend to yourself and your soul diligently now the word diligently is super it's super interesting super cool I have no idea how to say it in the Hebrew and I'm sure if I said it none of you would correct me unless you're really cool and I want to hear it but the word diligently the idea behind it here that Moses is giving is this is to turn or gather embers to turn or gather embers. Now, personally, I like fire. Anybody else like fire? I, okay, I knew all the young ones would raise their hand, and a few men. I like it. And so whenever we bought our house in Lubbock, I, I didn't grow up with a fireplace. I grew up in Abilene, Texas. Where Abilene, Texas is, if you look at a map, it looks like it's right in the middle. It's not because that's another place, and they think that's the big deal. That, it's, anyway, so if you've ever been to Texas, there's a lot of signs. So... Um, Wow, that was a rabbit trail. Okay, here we go. Where am I at? Oh, fire. And so I didn't grow up with a fireplace, and Abilene, you don't really necessarily need one. And so when we bought our house in Lubbock, I told my wife, I, I want to get a fireplace. And our realtor said, make a list of what you want. And I had one thing on my list, fireplace. Maybe two, nice, like big yard or something. But fireplace was number one. My wife had her list. We bought our house. We checked off almost everything on our list because God's good like that. And it has a fireplace. Fireplace in the living room. It's got a big hearth all the way across the living room. Beautiful. Love it. It was a yellow brick one. We painted it white. It looks amazing now. And so we, we bought our house in March, and maybe six months later, something like that, November, October, sometime in there, Lubbock got a snowstorm. Now, it may not sound like a snowstorm to you, but when there's a threat of snow in Lubbock, everyone goes to the grocery store, and they buy the essentials. Can I tell you this? They buy milk, and they buy bread. Is that how it is here? Isn't it ridiculous? Like, what are you going to do, eat milk toast? You know, I'm just like, I don't know. Anyways, and so we, we went to the store, like every good Lubbock I, that's in uh, town, and we went, and obviously we were late because there wasn't very much milk, and there wasn't very much bread. We also bought some water and some junk food because we didn't have any kids, and we were going to watch a movie or something. I don't know. And so we, we bought all this stuff. We went home. Woke up the next morning, and there was eight inches of snow on the ground. 
Now, that's a big snow for us. Y'all probably get some crazy, like, foot, two feet. I don't even know how you survive, but... <laughs> We got eight inches of snow, so we woke up the next morning, saw the snow, and when there's any kind of snow on the ground in Lubbock, the town completely shuts down. You're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything. There's no school. There, there's, I mean, I'm talking nothing. The mail hardly runs, and they even take the vow, I'm telling you. So we, we look outside. I'm pumped because I'm not going to the office because everybody has kids, and they're all having to watch their kids. And so I'm like, babe, let's start a fire. She's like, yeah, let's start a fire. She's like, she makes breakfast in the kitchen. I don't want to start a fire. So I run outside, and we have some leftover logs from a harvest hayride that our church did. I take these logs, and I throw them into the fireplace. And we have, like, from a youth activity, like a stack of uh, newspapers. Do you all have those free newspapers that we call them thrifty nickels? Do you all have? Yeah. So it says take one. They're free. Now, before you judge me, 150 times free is still free. And so I had a really big stack of these, right? Um, and so I, I threw these logs in the fireplace. I take the thrifty nickels, and I'm burning through these things left and right. I'm trying to get this fire started. And I mean, so much so, I'm getting a little frustrated because I can't get this fire started. And I mean, I am, I am burning through thrifties like crazy. Well, about... 45 minutes to an hour later, my wife walks up behind me. I'm still trying to start the fire. She goes, hey, Colin, would you, would you like some help? And because I'm spiritual, I reacted very spiritually. I said, sure, do whatever you want to do. Obviously, I can't do it. And I walked away. And so I'm standing there in the living room. She kind of looks at it, and, and she takes a few notes of my fire that I'm trying to start. And she says, hey, Colin, where's your kindling? I said, what's kindling? Remember, I didn't grow up with a fireplace, okay? My wife grew up in Mount Vernon, and they heated their house with a wood stove. She's a pyrotechnician. She knows exactly how to start a fire. And so I, 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 she explains kindling to me. I go outside. I grab some kindling, and I take it inside. She takes the kindling, and now because we're in Wenatchee, and you have snow, and you have cold weather, you know exactly what's about to happen. She puts the kindling underneath. She takes a newspaper, rolls it up nice and tight, folds it a few times, so now it's like hard as a rock. She lights it on fire, sticks it into the kindling, and the kindling's on fire. She's light years ahead of where I've been. She starts to work that kindling a little bit more, and what happens? The log's set on fire, right? Now, I know how to keep a fire going. You just add wood to it. I like my fire so hot that I feel like a hot dog at a gas station that's been there way too long, and you like your eyebrows start to pull like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so I've got this thing ripping like crazy, and it's West Texas wood, so it is dry. It is burning hot. I mean, it's wild. So we have this fire going all day long. I mean, I'm opening windows because it's so hot in our house. I mean, all the things, right? Well, I'm like, all right, I'm going to bed. It's like 10 o'clock at this point. My wife's like, no, we can't, we can't go to bed. I'm like, Why? Well, we got to let the fire die down. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, if we don't let this fire die down, we're going to wake up dead. That's what she said. I'm like, okay. So we go uh, and, and we wait out our fire. We waited a long time, like two, three in the morning long time. I told you it was ripping. It was wild. And so the next morning we wake up and there's still like six inches of snow. And so we've got like six days of doing nothing. So I... Uh, I'm like, hey, let's start a fire. She's like, yeah, let's start a fire. I'll make breakfast again. I'm like, sweet. I'll go get some kindling because I know what kindling is. And so I, uh, she's like, no, 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 you don't need any kindling. I'm like, babe, 
you need kindling to start a fire. Like, I know what I'm talking about, right? And so she, she tastes <laughs> ridiculous. So she, she says, no, go get some logs. I'm like, whatever. So I go get some logs. We throw them into the fireplace. And then she takes what I call our medieval weapon out. It's got a handle. It's a rod with a spike on the end and then a hook next to it. The hook is what makes it medieval. You know what I mean? And so she takes it and she starts to stir underneath the logs, underneath the log rack, right? And, and all those ashes start to glow red. And you can start feeling that heat and that energy start to gain back in those coals. And then what does she do? She just blows on it, right? And it goes, and the best sound in the world, you have a fire, right? And, and that's the idea that Moses is getting across here. He says you need to protect, guard, or attend to yourself and your soul like a fire that's going to keep you alive. Now, back then, I know they had the, the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, but they also had to have their own fire to cook because they started preparing the manna more than just picking it up off the ground and eating it. They cooked it. You know, they did all the things. You can read about it. And they had to have their torches in, their, in the tabernacle and in their homes. And so they had their own fires. But to get that fire started took some work. And so they would have someone watch this fire diligently, and they would work that fire, add wood to that fire, stir that fire, get oxygen flowing through that fire constantly. And so when Moses gave them this example, they knew exactly what was going on. And so he, he said, you need to diligently attend to yourself and your soul, but why? Why, why protect, guard, and attend to myself and my soul like a fire that's going to keep me alive? Look at verse number 9. He says this, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. Now remember the first three chapters of Deuteronomy, what did Moses do? He reminded the people of all the things in their history. Now, so whenever I read, lest you forget what your eyes have seen, I question. I say, okay, well, what had these people seen? Well, let's go back. We've got time. Y'all didn't ask very many questions. And so let's go back to, to Exodus where Moses, he walks up to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go, right? And Pharaoh says, no, right? You follow me? Is that, that's how his voice sounds in my head. Maybe he sounds more elegant, but in my head he sounds like a dummy. And so he says, no. And Moses is like, well, the river's going to turn to blood. And Pharaoh's like, what? Pharaoh had already seen the rod in Moses' hand thrown down turn to a snake, right? He'd already seen Moses put his hand in his coat, pull it out, and it leprous, put it back in, and it was totally fine. And so Moses says, the Nile's going to turn to blood. So they go out the next morning, and what happens? The entire Nile River is blood. Pharaoh gets sick of the blood, and he says, Moses, come back. I'm going to let the people go. And Moses says, okay, I'll pray, and, and the, the river will turn to water. So he prays and, turns the river, and, the, and God turns the river back to water, but Pharaoh doesn't let the people go. And so these people that Moses is speaking to here in Deuteronomy chapter number 4, they saw the Nile turn to blood. They saw, they saw the dust of the ground of Egypt turn to lice. Have you ever seen a picture of Egypt? Does it look dusty to you? The pyramids, what are they covered in? Dust. Can you imagine the dust of the ground turn into lice? That's nasty, isn't it? It makes my head itch every time. But, but they didn't just see the blood, they didn't just see the lice, they saw flies, they saw hailstones, they saw darkness, like a darkness that, that is described that they could feel. But then they, when they looked towards Goshen where all the Israelites lived, there was light. And so they were witnessing this mir these miracles and these judgments of God, 
and they saw all of these incredible things, and they even saw frogs. Now, personally, I hate frogs. Anybody else hate frogs? Have you ever slept next to a pond with a bunch of bullfrogs? I'm going to say no, because you can't sleep when they're out there. Because all they do is scream all night long, and they're dumb. You throw a rock at them, they stop, you go da- lay down, they know when your head hits the pillow, pillow because they croak again, right? So Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, and Moses, or Pharaoh says no, then he says there's going to be frogs. Pharaoh's like, what do you mean? He's like, frogs. In your bedroom, in your kitchen, in your refrigerator, in your bathroom, in the most private place you ever had in the palace. Guess what's going to be waiting on you for when you get there? Frogs. So they get sick of the nasty, jumpy, slimy frogs. And Pharaoh says, Moses, I want the frogs gone. You've got, you got to get rid of them. And Moses says, when do you want them gone? And, and Pharaoh's the, here's the dummy part, tomorrow. He wants one more night with the frogs, right? And so Pharaoh wakes up the next morning, and the frogs don't just disappear. They died. And the Bible says that they, they, they gathered them up in heaps, And it says this, that they stank. Now, it's a divine judgment of stinkiness. Can you imagine? Like like plowed snow. You see what I'm saying? Plowed snow of frogs, decaying, nasty. I'm talking, that's gross. And they saw all of these plagues. And then the first Passover takes place and the death angel rolls through. The next morning, the Egyptians are sending them out, throwing jewelry, giving them things and saying, please just get out of here. And so the Israelites, they, they're, they're exiting Egypt, and there's songs written in the Bible. They're praising God. They're excited about what's going on. And then they get to the Red Sea, right? And they go, well, what are we supposed to do here, right? So Moses turns around, looks at the people, and they say, you brought us out here to die. He goes, let me, let me talk to the Lord. Moses goes to the Lord, the Lord says, raise your hands up, go to the bank of the Red Sea, raise your hands up with your rod, raises it up, and the water parts. There's dry ground, they're walking across dry ground, two walls of water, and the strongest army in the world is chasing after them. They get across, they turn around, the army is in the center of the Red Sea, and the two walls of water crush the army. That's amazing, isn't it? So then they keep going. Like I said, 10 were bad and 2 were good. So then the judgment of the the spies comes down and now they're going to be walking around the wilderness for 40 years. For a whole new generation. And so these kids, they've seen the plagues. They saw the Red Sea. They wore the same sandals for 40 years because it says they didn't wear out. And their clothes didn't wear out. And then past that, they ate manna. What is it? I don't know. But they'd go out, they'd gather exactly what God wanted them to, and, and some of them got greedy, and so if they had too much, it turned to worms. I mean, that's crazy. So they got sick of the manna, which I understand because they wanted meat. I'm from Texas. I like cows, especially ones off the grill. You know what I mean? And so whenever they say, we want meat, I'm like, yeah, I want some meat too. I like it. We went to barbecue last night. Dead animal is probably my favorite, Okay. And so they, they, they ask God for meat, and God gives them quail. Personally, I think quail's a waste of time. It's like a mini chicken nugget, you know? You go to Chick-fil-A, if you have Chick-fil-A, you have way, oh man, okay. When you go to Chick-fil-A, get you a six count. They're going to give you one that looks like half a nugget, and you're going to hope. I hope they didn't count that. 
and then think of me because you hate quail too, okay? I'm telling you, it's a, it's a waste of time. It's so tiny. If you love them, I'm sorry. I'll forgive you. So he gives them so much quail. The Bible says that out of all, it, it, so much quail, it's coming out their nostrils. That's what the Bible says. That's insane, isn't it? It's like, like people say that about people today. Like, oh man, they got so much money. It's coming out their nose. That came from the Bible. Like, They've got so much quail, it's coming out their nose. That's gross. I'm talking so much quail. And then they get thirsty. They tell Moses, you brought us out here to die. We wish we had the onions of Egypt. And Moses hits the rock with the rod. And water gushes out for all these people and for all these animals, right? And they see miracle after miracle after miracle. They saw the sons of Korah who wanted to rebel against Moses get swallowed up by the earth. And the ground closed on top of them. Can you imagine mothers threatening their children? If you don't take the trash out, you could end up like the sons of Korah. I mean, and the earth could swallow you. I mean, can you imagine? That's crazy, isn't it? And so, so they saw all of these miracles, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and Moses tells them, you better protect yourself, and you better guard your soul like a fire that's going to keep you alive because you've seen some amazing things but if you don't remind yourself on a regular basis, you'll forget. And they'll depart from your heart all the days of your life. And you need to teach all those things that your eyes have seen to your sons and then your sons' sons, your grandchildren. Grandparents don't just get to spoil their grandchildren. they got to teach them something too. And then look at verse number 10. Because Moses, he doesn't just say, remind them of the things you've seen and doesn't just tell them to remember Baal Peor, but he gives them a specific event that he wants them to remind the, the people of. Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire, Unto the midst of heaven, he's painting this scene that they would have already vividly remembered. And he says this, The mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words. Did you catch that? The Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. Only ye heard a voice. And he, God himself, declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. Did you catch that? Moses tells the people, don't forget when God spoke to you directly. And they heard the voice of God give them the ten commandments. Remember verse number five, Moses tells the people, I went to God, he spoke to me, and I told you what God has said, but never forget the day that God spoke directly to you and told you his covenant and told you what he expected from you. Never forget that. But if you've read the rest of the Old Testament, they forgot, didn't they? You get to the book of Judges and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then you get to the major and the minor prophets and the people of Israel are literally killing their own preachers. I mean, it's, it's insane. The things that you read about throughout the rest of the Old Testament, absolutely insane. And people are just doing what they think is right in their own minds and they're just doing whatever they want. And they forgot. You see, God had built a fire 
in each of those individuals' hearts through the mighty acts that they had seen. Are you following the picture here? And that fire was burning hot after Egypt when they saw the plagues. And it was burning hot every, from every miracle they saw during the wilderness wanderings. And now Moses is giving them the law one more time before they cross into Canaan land. And he's saying, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget what you have seen. Because if you do, you'll lose the desire to obey him. And if you don't obey him, remember Baal Peor. Are you following the picture here? Moses is telling the people that fire that God has built, you need to continue to guard it and protect it. And you need to turn that fire so you keep the desire to obey. But today isn't just about the Israelites, is it? We need something from us, for us, right? From the Lord. And I believe here, this is what it is. If you're like me, which maybe you're not, sometimes you lack the desire to obey God. I do. I, I, there's times where I don't want to be patient with my children. I don't want to be loving to my wife. I know, I'm, I'm a missionary and I'm, apparently I'm supposed to be spiritual, but you're getting the real guy here today. And there's times where I don't want to be respectful to authority that I have in my life. And there's times where I struggle to want to sit down and read God's word and know what it says because even though it says you need, you need to meditate on this day and night, I'm like, I, I still want to. And there's times where I want to question the Lord about what he's doing in my life and in around my life. And I want to ask him, what, what's going on? And I want to ask him kind of in a way that I think I know better. And I want to, get, I want to raise myself up in pride. There's times. Can you relate today? What, I don't know what your struggle is, but I'll say this, whenever I'm, when I'm lacking the desire to obey the Lord, it's because I'm forgetting. I'm not remembering His goodness in my life. The book of Psalms tells us that the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. I mean, full of the goodness of the Lord. You know what that means? Anywhere and everywhere you go, guess what's there? God's goodness. You can go to the darkest place on earth and the worst spot that you've ever experienced, whatever the situation was, and even though it seems like it may be the worst place on earth to you, His goodness is still there. And if the earth is full of His goodness, then that means if we're not remembering His goodness, there's something that's blocking our view. Am I right? And it, and it, it can be a struggle because we lack the vision to see His goodness even when it's there but he tells us to remember it even whenever we don't want to. So, maybe lately you've struggled with the desire to obey. And you're saying, I'm here on a Sunday morning. I'm here in church. I helped set up this morning. And, and can I tell you, I was on staff. And there were times that I did what I was supposed to do because I was, that's what I was supposed to do. But there was times that my heart didn't want to. I can remember, we've got time for the story, and then I'm done. I can remember my, one of my first Easter Sundays at Bethany. There was mud all over the front sidewalk, and you got people walking in for Easter Sunday, and they're wearing all their really light-colored stuff, and there's mud everywhere. And I have this water hose, and I am, I am mad that I am having to drag this water hose. And I'll tell you the, the honest, true thought that went through my mind I'm the music director at this church. This is probably the biggest service of the year, and I'm having to drag a water hose while I'm wearing my suit, while I'm wearing my shirt, while I'm in my nice shoes, and I'm dragging a nasty water hose across this parking lot to go spray off some mud that 
another staff member got on the sidewalk. That's my thought. And I mean, I've just got this attitude. And as I'm screwing in this, this water hose into the faucet, the Lord just kind of smote my heart and said, who do you think you are? Because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but my attitude, I didn't have that desire. You follow me? And he says, what is today about? And it was Easter Sunday. Well, it's about you, Lord. And it's about your son. And it's about his resurrection and people knowing you and what, and what you've done for them. And I'm, I'm screwing in this water hose and I'm spraying the sidewalk. And I'm just having what I call a come to Jesus meeting while spraying this sidewalk. And I'm just remembering the goodness of the Lord. I'm spraying it down. And, I, and I'm in the front, the front yard of the church, and I'm like, God, you're, you're so good. And I just started to just kind of reminisce with the Lord about His goodness and remind myself that someone, the shoes that I was wearing, I couldn't have bought them myself. And the suit that I'm wearing, I didn't buy myself. Like, I mean, it's just ridiculous stuff. And, and, and I'm remembering His goodness because of the youth department, because of my wife, because of the choir, because of my pastor. And it's all just coming around that God is like, hey, look, I know you're dragging a water hose on Easter Sunday, but guess what? I'm still good. And you need to remember. And can I say this? Maybe you're like the, psalm, the psalmist. Have you ever read a psalm and David started off and he was ranting? Why do the wicked, right? It's always a good question that David starts off with. And it seems like he's so mad. And then he gets past his rant, and in the middle of the psalm, he, he, remind, he reminds the Lord, God, this is what you said. This is what you said would happen. And this is what you said would happen. And this is what you said would happen. And it's like somewhere along the way, he kind of slows down, and he's like, God, you're so good. And he started off with a rant, and then he's reminding the Lord about God's promises and God's goodness. And he's saying, God, you're supposed to be good, but what's happening here? And then he's like, well, you are good. And he starts to praise him. And by the end of the psalm, what happens? He doesn't even remember why he's mad. But he's just praising the Lord. Can I say this? And this is, this is probably, I would say, all of us have experienced this. The next time you're struggling to want to, to have that desire to obey, can I say this? Take your, take your fire poker out, you know what I'm talking about? And just turn those coals underneath that fire. Because when you turn that fire, guess what happens? It gives you the desire to obey. And when you have the desire to obey, here's the amazing thing. You obey him and you get more wood for the fire. And then you turn those coals and you're reminded and then you have the desire and then you obey. And guess what? It's like, man, I got to see another miracle. Absolutely amazing. And put it back on the fire. Are you following the picture here? Turn your fire to keep the desire to obey. So if you've struggled with the desire lately, maybe... Maybe today, come talk to the Lord about your salvation. You say, well, I've never seen the Red Sea part. But if you're saved in here, you've seen a miracle that angels go, I don't get it. I don't know how that works. Because God's grace is absolutely amazing. His love and His mercy for you. So today, today, turn your fire so you have the desire to obey. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, 
You can share it with your friends. Hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.